Thank you for tuning in to the 120th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, with me, your host, Daryl, Dominique Lane, as always, being recorded from Sunny Set Studios, uh, University Heights, Ohio, John Carroll University, Murphy Hall. We are back, folks. Now, I did say last show we'd have a special announcement. And here's what that announcement is. And that's ironic, too, because Lamar Jackson lost uh, Saturday. But Lamar Jackson, throughout the course of the season, kept saying this when reporters kept asking about his his historic season, being a black quarterback, how well he's playing the doubters. He always kept, and he wore a shirt. Nobody cares, work harder. And, And I love that slogan. And... Barbershop Sports Talk, I make an executive decision as host, producer, creator, uh, whatever you want to call me. That is going to be the slogan of the podcast. Nobody cares, work harder. That's what I'm going to hold myself to. Uh, That's what I want to hold uh, players to, whether it be Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, LeBron James, uh, an Aaron Judge, uh, uh, a Sidney Crosby, a Usain Bolt, any athlete that I talk about, anybody that I discuss, because I'm going to hold myself to that standard. Nobody cares. Work harder. Perfect example. I'm recording this right now. 3 a.m. in the morning before I uh, have school tomorrow, Monday, right? First uh, day of classes. You know, want to know why? Because I want to get this content out to you guys. Uh, we have a great interview today. We're going to have Brett Swader. Big football guy. Big college football guy uh, as well. Going to talk a lot of NFL uh, college football with him. Um, Clemson. LSU happening tonight, uh, Saturday, Sunday, NFL uh, action, divisional round. The championship games are set. We have Chiefs versus Titans. We have 49ers versus Packers. It's great. You know, this Saturday, Sunday, Monday, great great week of football, right? Great week of football. You're not going to see as good of a week, uh, a a good of a stretch, a three-day stretch of football all all year maybe. Like, great stretch of football, right? Great stretch. Uh, can't, Can't say enough about the games. Uh, we're great games. We had upsets, spectacular, and it's gonna be like the creme de la creme. You know, it all boils down to LSU, Clemson, and a title fight of two undefeated teams, two quarterbacks that are fighting for history, uh, and it's gonna be a great matchup. So we're gonna talk a lot about that with Brett. Now, here's where I want to start today. Um, mentioning Lamar Jackson, right? Uh, Lamar Jackson's in dangerous territory right now. And I don't want to be one of those guys that oh, when you fail in the postseason that says, he's not clutch. He doesn't have the clutch gene. But I will say this. Perception becomes reality. If you come work, if you come to work late all the time, eventually your boss is going to think you don't really care or you have more important stuff going on. If you're in a relationship and you have a girlfriend... And all you do is not hang out with your girlfriend and hang out with other girls. What do you think is going to run through her mind? You might be cheating. Perception becomes reality, whether it's true or false. Lamar Jackson is 0-2 in the playoffs. Lost the Chargers as a rookie. Lost the Titans as a sophomore, second-year pro. 
He's 0-2. Now, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, it's bad. Right? You mess up a third time, you know, you're not getting it. Lamar is one year away at this exact time from it being like, oh, he's a regular season quarterback. Teams figure him out in the regular in the postseason. When you get more time to prepare, when you really dig in. When the games actually matter when the stage gets the brightest when you're playing against the toughest and stiffest competition the best players and the best coaches his best performance does not happen and i do want to mention this too as a point of bragging uh i did say this about two to three weeks ago on the podcast uh when week 17 of the nfl season was going on you don't need to bench lamar jackson he was already playing at such a high level the best player in the nfl why bench him why? What good does that do? For any of you that's ever ran, let's say you're running on a treadmill and you're running 10 miles at an eight minute pace. 10 mile, right? Running 10 miles, you're running at an eight minute pace and you do it for an hour, an hour, right? Every day for three weeks. No, no, let's say for 10 weeks, for 10 weeks. And for three weeks, you, you're off. You, you don't do any running. How do you think it's going to feel the next time you get on that treadmill? You're going to be like, damn. <gasps> you're going to be wheezing and gasping for air. It's not going to feel the same because for those course of the 10 weeks, right? You're on a pattern. It's consistency. That running, probably about week five, week six, it gets really easy. It's like nothing to you. But then you don't do it. Your level goes down, right? You know, you kind of taper off. You kind of you, you can't stay at a certain level when you don't do what you're doing at a high level, right? You need to keep practicing, keep sharpening those tools, keep pushing your body, especially in sports. Lamar Jackson peaked in the regular season. Three weeks off. Three weeks was my college winter break. <laughs> That's a long time to be at, to be without playing football, especially when you were the most dominant player all regular season. Lamar Jackson threw more picks than touchdowns against the Titans. You want to know the last time Lamar did that this regular season? This whole season. October. That was last year. Literally. 2019. Beginning of the season. Pittsburgh Steelers threw more picks than touchdowns. It takes weeks and months and literally another calendar year for it to happen again. Lamar and the Ravens weren't ready. And we see a guy that was peaked and playing at the highest possible level he could in Derrick Henry. And we saw what happened. He put up a buck 80. Now, I, I do want to talk about this. Uh, the Browns hire Kevin Stefinski. Now, I... <laughs> and it's really interesting, right? There, and for people who don't know, Josh McDaniels in the running... Uh, Former Denver Broncos head coach, uh, Patriots offensive coordinator. Uh, he spurned the Colts for their head coaching job a couple of years ago. Josh McDaniels is known around NFL circles. Lots of people know he's a very good offensive coordinator. Did not get the job at Cleveland. Uh, from JCU, I will say that just like me, from John Carroll University. Uh, hometown kid, right? And doesn't get the job because there are reports that he wanted too much. Uh, 
And the Browns ownership kind of scoffed. Browns brass kind of scoffed at that. And because he wanted too much control. He wanted to change too many things. And you know what I would say to the Cleveland Browns? Maybe he should change some things. He was in New England with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. The greatest duo we've seen in NFL history. The greatest duo I could make an argument we've seen in sports history. 20 years of nothing but Super Bowls, Super Bowl appearances, AFC Championship game appearances, and division titles. A lot of winning and not a whole lot of losing. And at that time period, the Browns have done a whole lot of losing. And you scoff at them and you hire Kevin Stefinski. Now let me tell you. Because when you hire somebody, uh, especially for an elite job like the NFL, there's only like 30-something jobs, right? You have to be elite in your field at what you do. Kevin Stefinski was an offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. He was an elite offensive mind. He's not an elite offensive mind. I'm going to name you five offensive minds that are better than Kevin Stefinski right now. Kyle Shanahan, head coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Sean McVay, head coach for the Los Angeles Rams. Sean Payton, head coach for the New Orleans Saints. Andy Reid, head coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. And Josh McDaniels, offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. And I didn't even get to guys like Doug Peterson and... uh, Guys like that. Matt and Aggie. I didn't get to those guys. Josh McDaniels would have been a better hire than Kevin Stefinski. Josh McDaniels is elite at what he does. Kevin Stefinski is not. I'm looking at the numbers right now. Here's the stats for Kevin Stefinski as the Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator. And he was only offensive coordinator for one year, by the way. Not a whole lot of experience. So you think, you've been offensive coordinator one year. Hey, Kyle, let's make you the NFL coach and make you a leader of men. The Vikings were 16th in total offense, 23rd in passing yards, 6th in rushing, 8th in points. Not bad, not great, not spectacular, not elite. Pretty good for an offensive coordinator. That's not necessarily the guy I want leading my franchise. The guy residing over the defense, the offense, and special teams, and being the morale and president CEO of the team and the organization for years to come. That is not what you should hope for. All the NFL uh, new hires this year. And this is how inept the Browns could be. You could make an argument. Right? They all had guys that you can make an argument were elite or had a special exception. Because in America, most jobs that you do, when you get hired and you're at the top of the top, you're, you're getting paid 5 to $8 million like a head NFL coach does, you have to be elite. Right? Sales, you have to be elite. You know, if you're a professor at a college, you have to be elite. You know, you just don't get these jobs for, hey, I was a fifth grade music teacher. How about I be the dean of an education department? No, it doesn't work that way. Ron Rivera took the Carolina Panthers to a Super Bowl, hired by the Redskins. That's elite. Mike McCarthy, hired by the Dallas Cowboys, won a Super Bowl. Matt Rule, double-digit wins at Baylor. That's elite. Understandable. Joe Judge. Even though my criticism, you can say he was a wide receivers, special teams coordinator, he got the blessing from Bill Belichick, the GOAT, the Don, the guy in the profession. If you're, if you want to get into politics and uh, Obama or Trump gives you an endorsement, that means something. If the president gives you an endorsement, that means something, right? You're inspiring kid, you're in a political science class and the president says, that guy is the next guy. That, that's an endorsement. 
if you're a young aspiring actor and Denzel Washington says you're the guy, that's an endorsement, even though you might not have accomplished a lot yet. Kevin Stavinsky, I don't see the endorsement. Mike Zimmer's not good enough to give an endorsement. I don't see the elite coaching. The Browns, in my opinion, made a mistake. But it's not a surprise because they hired Freddie Kitchens, which I thought was a mistake. And I'm not going to condemn Kevin Stavinsky quite yet. I think Kevin Stavinsky will be better than Freddie Kitchens. But that's also not saying too much. Now cut him next. After the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Brett Slater on the show. Cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a special guest with us, Brett Swader, uh, football ga- football guy, college football guy uh, from the South. How you doing, Brett? I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? I'm doing uh, I'm doing fabulous. Now, the, the first thing I want to talk to, right, big football guy, uh, great weekend of games, right? Uh, and, and to me, I, I've always been saying this, we have all, both the championship games uh, and the NFC, AFC, Saturday, Sunday, then we got college football Monday, so it's like a great three-day stretch of football. But here's where I want to start. Let's start with uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I was proponent, I said this about a couple episodes ago, that you Lamar Jackson should have played in Week 17 because I believe in sports, when you're playing at such a high level, that you need to keep that level going on. And knowing that he's going to have the bye, I think three weeks is too long of a rest. And you saw they kind of came out flat against Tennessee. They couldn't tackle Derrick Henry, who was a man amongst boys. Do you think that... Uh, I'm over. I might be overreacting and saying that you know what he probably should have played that Week 17 game, and him and the team would have been more ready to play the Titans uh, on Saturday. Uh, I personally think he should have played Week 17. Uh, a lot of people want to rest your guys so they don't get hurt. I personally think it it, it puts your off, especially offensive guys. It puts your offensive guys out of sync, man. Especially your quarterback, the most important player, the play caller. You know, what I mean, that guy is in control of your entire offense. And you're going to rest him for three weeks. I mean, that's that's almost like the preseason, man. That's almost the first four weeks of the season. So I mean, he still he didn't complete he completed about fifty percent of his passes, and he still threw for three hundred sixty five yards. But at the same time, I mean, he had two interceptions, he had a fumble, and I mean, he had five hundred fifty yards in total offense. The Ravens did, but at the same time, you see how out of sync you could just tell early on that they didn't look like they were on the same page. Do you think that? And it, to me, it's also because if you if you look at it, Lamar kind of was playing good, but not super great in the beginning of the year. And then around after like the fifth game to the middle of the season to the end of it, he took off and he was the best player in football. Do you think that kind of took away from his game? And it's like, okay, we were at 10. We were at 100, right, on the scale 0 to 100. We're at 100. And now we're at 50, and we kind of have to ramp up to 100. But there's not enough time in a 60-minute football game to ramp back up to 100. Yeah, I I could see that. I mean, I, I really don't. I really am confused. I mean, on how he played. I, I don't want to say he's one of those guys who just can't play in a playoff game because I mean, he. I mean, he's got more losses in the playoffs than he does wins as of right now in his career, which is only like two seasons. But still, I mean, 
he was definitely at the peak. I mean, at one point in the season, he was definitely, I mean, probably most of the season, 90% of the season, you could say he was the best player in all of football. I mean, I don't think it was even a question. I mean, any, I think any other season, the way that, like, Russell Wilson played this year, he probably would have won MVP. But Lamar just played out of his mind all year, and I was actually very shocked to watch them get beat like they did. And especially, I was really surprised to see that offense just being so off track and and even, honestly, even on the other side of the ball, they didn't look very great as well. But I don't know, man. I just, I really, it kind of, I'm still kind of stunned about the whole Ravens loss at the moment. Now, and here's my thing on Lamar, right? And you mentioned this. More postseason losses than wins. He's 0-2 in the postseason. <clears throat> He's never won a postseason game. You know, we can we can say he was a rookie last year against the Chargers. He played bad. Second-year player. Kind of had a really unexpected great season. Had the bye. You know, he learned from the mistake. He's 0-2. But here's what I would say. I would say things start becoming a trend when it happens three times, right? It's like, you know, fool me one time, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool, fool me three times, it's shame on you all the way. Fool me three times. Like, this can't keep happening. Do you think that Lamar Jackson is kind of entering the territory now next year where there's pressure on him? And it's like, if you don't win a playoff game, you're not a big game player. You're more of a, a choker than a gamer. Do you think that could become the label of Lamar Jackson? I, I really hope not, man. I'm a, I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan, um, but I believe that is the case. I mean, for example, Lamar, I mean, he saved me all year. I, I've always hyped him up. I've always backed him up, even since college at Louisville. But uh, one of my favorite quarterbacks uh, of all time is, is Peyton Manning, but not many people have him as a top-two quarterback or anything like that, simply because he's, they call him the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. And I hope Lamar can just win some playoff games in the future because if not, I don't want him to be in that same category because I feel like he is a special talent. I actually uh, got on Twitter today and seen a guy saying that Lamar is not a quarterback. And I just I just don't understand how you could say that if you actually watch this guy play the game of football when he's at his best. Yeah, he can scramble on a fourth and one or a third and one and make a play that really looks like a running back would do. But this guy's quarterback, and I think he, he could be – the best quarterback in the league for years to come, up and down with some people like Mahomes and Watson, you know, just rotating throughout the years to come. But that may be – I mean, if he keeps losing the playoffs, though, it, it, there's not going to be an argument. I mean, they're going to say he's just a flop, he's a fluke, and he's going to go in there and he's going to be one and done in the playoffs every year, no matter if he's the one seed or he's playing in the wild card game. But I really hope that's just not what happens to him. Now – and I want to ask you this, right? Because you're from Tennessee, right? And a lot of people, they, 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 nobody believed in Tennessee coming into this, coming into the postseason, especially. Nobody thought they were going to go in Foxborough and be Brady and Belichick in New England, the place where every team goes to die for the last decade. And then I don't think anybody thought they were going to be Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, who have been the best team in football all year, quarterback by, for what most people think, the best player all year, probably going to win MVP. How real are the Tennessee Titans? Ah, oh, I knew this question was coming. Um, yeah, I live down here in Tennessee, but I'm not a Titans fan, though. But uh, do I think they're real? I think they are real with – I think they're actually very well coached, for sure. I think Harbaugh got out-coached against the – I mean, the Ravens-Titans game, I think Harbaugh completely got out-coached. But, I mean, when you look at the numbers, I mean, Derrick Henry's been playing his tail off, man. I mean, it's – I mean – I think it was 180 yards last week, 195 yards this week. But at the same time, 
when you come down to it and you break it down a little bit further, Ryan Tannehill, yeah, he had three touchdowns, two passing and one rushing. But he only had 88 yards passing, man. And I just don't think that you're going to be able to win a Super Bowl throwing for less than 100 yards or throwing about 130, you know, or less. And he threw for 88 yards the other day. Yeah, I think they did the right things and they made the right plays. But to me, watching that game, it looked like Coach Grable for the time just pulled out everything he could in the book just and tried to keep the ball out of Lamar's hands, which is what you got to do when you have a playmaker on the other side of the ball. And especially if you got a tank in the backfield like Derrick Henry, just hand him off, hand him the ball, and let him just go, you know. And if they can't stop him, just keep giving it to him. He, he had 30 carries against the Ravens. 30. I mean, not many running backs can tote the ball in the NFL for 30 carries a game, and it'd be all production because he had 195 yards on those 30. And he also had a uh, passing touchdown. I mean, the Duke's playing his tail off, but I think the Titans are on a roll, but I just don't see them winning the whole thing simply to the fact that they've been very one-dimensional, one-dimensional, excuse me, running the football, and I just, they're going to have to throw the ball a lot better if they want to beat somebody like the 49ers in the Super Bowl or even the Chiefs next week. But but here's my thing. Here's what I would say about the, the Titans and their defense. The best defense they played all year, I mean, they played in the postseason, was New England. Derrick Henry ran for a buck eighty against them. I don't think the Chiefs the Chiefs are not going to be able to tackle Derrick Henry. You're probably right, but the thing that I have about the Patriots is a lot of people have been talking about this is probably the worst offense the Patriots have had in a long time, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. You know, you lost Gronk. Uh, he's retired. You know, and Edelman. I mean, Edelman even had a couple drops that game, and he's your, probably your best weapon. And I mean, after that, I mean. Who's your best, you know, who's your, who's your next best option? You know, and Brady's getting old, you know. I mean, it's just, I just don't, I think their offense is, I know, I get that they beat the Ravens and the Ravens have the best offense. But I feel like if they run into a team like the 49ers or somebody like that, it, it, it's going to be, I mean, they're going to have to go against somebody who's going to play more complete football. And I just think that's going to catch them in the long run. I could be wrong. I could be. I mean, the Titans might, they might have it to Derrick Henry 30 to 40 times. All the way to the Super Bowl, and that might what gets them a football. They may win the Super Bowl, and that might be the reason. But me personally, I just don't know if they can keep that up. Because you got to think, man, you done knocked off the Patriots, you done knocked off the Ravens, and now you have to survive and beat the Chiefs. And then if you survive that, you got to beat the winner of the freaking Packers and the um, excuse me, uh, the Packers and the damn Forty ers So I just don't know if uh, I don't know if they can keep it rolling for that long. They, I mean. I think best-case scenario, they make it to the Super Bowl. I just I, – I don't know if they'll get past the Chiefs, mostly because they may not tackle their Henry. You're correct, but I know you've seen that how many points the Chiefs put up today, so it may be tough for them to stop that, if you know what I'm saying. How well is Derrick Henry running right now in terms of the best – in terms of just the, the best stretch of running the ball you've seen like the last decade? How well is Derrick Henry running the ball? Uh, that's tough for me to say, especially – since he came from Alabama and me not being a huge Alabama fan, but he is definitely, he's running the ball like this may be a crazy, not necessarily the same style, but you remember Adrian Peterson and his prime. I mean, you know, when he's getting 2,000 yard season, I mean, that's, I mean, he's that unstoppable right now. I mean, the guy, if you include the postseason, he's got over 1,700 yards rushing this year, and he's, he's got a chance to play two more football games. The guy could have 2,000 this year. And what makes it more impressive is the fact that not hating 100% on Ryan Tannehill, but they don't have a Aaron Rodgers or a even somebody just like a Matt Ryan. Like they don't even have somebody like that playing the quarterback position. To like it's a hundred percent. Each defense knows 
hey, their best player is their running back, and he's probably going to touch the ball 30 times today. But he's still getting 180-plus rush yards a game. So, I mean, it's just it's insane because you know they're going to run the ball. Like, you already know when they line up with one running back in the backfield and one wide receiver out wide and everybody else is on the line of scrimmage, and you know they're running the ball. And he still gets at least, like, he, he may get eight yards that play, and you know he was running the ball. And it's just – and that's what's setting up these big plays. Like I said, Ryan Tannehill only completed seven passes against the Ravens, but he threw some touchdowns. When you're biting so hard on Derrick Henry because he's such a factor right now, it's just it's hard to I mean it's hard to be ready for that play over that play action over the top. And then the next thing you know, your quarterback's only threw seven passes, but two of them were touchdowns. So if he keeps running the ball like that, man, it's just going to be hard for teams to pay attention to Tannehill because you forget they. It's not like he's Tom Brady or anybody or. You know, he's on a Peyton Manning or somebody. You don't you don't pay attention to him when you've got somebody like that in the backfield running the ball the way he is. Now, the 49ers, they dominated the Vikings uh, pretty handily. Richard Sermon's talking smack after the game. How you like that, the Kirk Cousins? And, and I'll say this, right? Out of the four remaining teams, uh, Titans, Chiefs, Packers, 49ers. I, I think the 49ers are the best team by a considerable margin. Uh, do you think I'm right on that? I do. I, I, I do. I agree. I mean, for example, I was looking at the numbers earlier today, and they beat the Vikings practically without even using George Kittle in the pass game. He had three catches for 16 yards. That's without using Kittle. I mean, they haven't even opened up the entire offense. I mean, you get what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's a guy who's probably arguably the best tight end in football, and they didn't even have to use him to beat the Vikings. I mean, besides that one long pass to Stephon Diggs, the Vikings on offense just really didn't even look like they belonged. And I hate to say that because I actually I like some of the guys the Vikings got, but I think overall offense, defense, I mean, I believe they sacked Kirk Cousins six times and uh, Nick Bosa, who he's an animal, he had two of them, solos. So, I mean, if they're sacking a quarterback six times and they're not even having to use all their offensive weapons, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat them, man. I mean, they had two running backs that just – was I think there was one or two drives they didn't even throw a single pass, and they scored a touchdown. And it's just, they're also running the ball very, very well, but they don't have one guy doing it just like Derrick Henry. They have Kevin Coleman. They have Raheem Mostert, I mean, just running the ball down people's throats. And it's just, it's just. I mean, he's also making plays on special teams. He recovered a must punt. I mean, I think they're best, the best overall team on both sides of the football, including special teams as well. Now, I, I want to talk to you about the Texans, right? Because... That, that Texans-Chief game was crazy. Houston starts out 24-0. Then it ends up like 51-30. to uh, Mahomes, Reed, the whole thing. They, they, they blitz him. Uh, do you think that we have to start questioning Bill O'Brien as a big game head coach? I know that there was the game against Buffalo last week against my team where they were down. Deshaun Watson pulled off magic like he, he's known to do in the fourth quarter in the second half. But do you think that Bill O'Brien's really holding Deshaun Watson back? I mean, you could definitely make that case because at one point in time, we thought that we, I mean, most people probably thought the Texans were going to lose the Bills last week at one point during that game. And so, I mean, and I, I mean, I remember watching, I'm sure you watched them too. Deshaun Watson, I mean, you've seen what he can do at a college level, at the NFL level. He can take a football game over. And it's just, people talk about Deshaun Watson. I watched the other day, uh, Skip Bayless said something about how he's, he, he would take him over Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if I would do that personally, but I will say I get what he's looking at because 
that guy's ability is just it, it's unreal. But like at the same time, I haven't seen him completely take over a game on a consistent basis compared to like in college when Dabo, I feel like, let him rip and just said, hey, go take this game over. And I get it to different levels. But at the same time, I still think he has the ability to do that in the NFL. And the guy didn't play, I mean, he didn't play bad against the Chiefs. I mean, he didn't play great. I mean, he's still offensively, he exploded about 50% of his passes and threw for 388, two touchdowns, and had, but he also, here's the thing with Texans, man, is, he was a couple yards away from being their leading rusher, and he also he was the only one who scored a rushing touchdown. So when you don't have that weapon come out of your backfield, I think Carlos Hyde hit 13 carries for 44 yards. That was your best. And I know it's the NFL. Sometimes you're not going to run the ball very well. But when you have your quarterback being your best offensive player, no matter if it's passing the ball or running the ball, it's going to be hard for you to just open up the other options on the field because he, it seems like he's trying to do it all. But like you said, he could be he could be getting held back. Maybe we need to see him try to be more of a Lamar Jackson. I wouldn't say he's an athletic, but I think he can make just as many plays if let loose. Now, the Packers, they beat the Seahawks twenty three to twenty eight. Um hold on to the ball last two minutes, right? They punt the ball back, hold on to the ball, run the clock out. Going to the NFC Championship game, they will play the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, and this has been a different year for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, where they've been less Aaron Rodgers reliant, you know, more reliant on the run game. You know, receivers are doing more work, a, a extremely a, a better defense. Uh, do you think that the Packers' success this year has been an, an indictment on uh, former head coach Mike McCarthy? Oh, that's a tough one. Nick, I mean, I think that one can go either way. I feel like there's a, a couple other reasons why they played the way they have. Like, for example, Devontae Adams. Now, I said this last show, postseason football, legacies are on the line, uh, for good and bad. Give me one player whose legacy took a hit this week. Uh, and I had an all the playoff team? Yes. In the divisional round. Go ahead, what were you going to say? In the divisional round. Oh, 
Whose legacy took a hit in the okay. divisional round? Okay. Um, I think uh, if you're talking about taking a hit, it's definitely, as bad as I hate to say it, it's Lamar. I mean, I don't think anybody expected him to lose that football game. And then I think if you want to say who's got the biggest uh, burst or, or they're pulling them the most out of everybody, is probably Derrick Henry. It's, and, and, I, and, that, and I was not a big Derrick Henry fan when he was coming out of college. I was like, I don't think he's going to be – I think he'll be a good – Running back number two, you know, but obviously he's, he's proven with running back number one. But I think he's definitely blooming the most, and I think, unfortunately, just because of the way. And with that, Lamar, he still played pretty decent, man. I mean, he led the team in rushing, and he had three for over 350 yards. He did turn the ball over three times, but statistically, his yardage was very well. I mean, I mean, it was pretty good. But he, what we've seen him do all season long, it's just, it, it took a downhill spiral, man. I mean, it, I hate to say it, and I hope he can come back next year and in his first playoff game. I hope he blows whoever he plays out if they make the. I hope they blow him out whoever they play if they make the playoffs. I'm sure they will. But I thought it didn't help him with Ingram going down like early after he only had about six carries. But I definitely think Lamar probably took the hit. And, and even if, even though he played decent, I think people are going to look at it that way just because, like he said in the post game uh, press conference, he said, "I mean, we were 14 and two. I mean." That's pretty good in a National Football League. I mean, and, and but it puts you on a pedestal. It puts a target on your back. And then when you don't reach that goal, and you don't even make it out of the divisional round, it's just it, it's hard. Especially when you haven't really. I mean, you're, like you said, you got more losses than you do wins in the playoffs right now. So I think that definitely took a big hit on him. Now I'm going to ask you this, right? 49ers versus Packers. Who you got? I think the 49ers are definitely the better overall team on all all aspects of the football except maybe the quarterback position. And and maybe, I mean, Devontae has a great wide receiver. But I really don't want to bet against Aaron Rodgers this late in his career, knowing his time's running out. He's like, I want another Super Bowl. And he's, I mean, he just he knows he's got to win one more game. So I think one of two things are going to happen. I'm going to say the 49ers win, but I'm going to pull for the Packers. Because I'm a big Aaron guy, but I, I say either the 49ers are going to make a statement or Aaron's going to play the best game he's played all season long. I think those are the only two things that are going to happen. Like It's either not going to be really close and 49ers are just going to walk through it, or I feel like Aaron Rodgers is just going to be the old school Aaron Rodgers we know he can be because he knows he may not get back to this position ever again. I mean, he's one game away from being in the Super Bowl. I mean, he's getting older, he's 36, 37 years old. He may not get this opportunity again. And I've also heard rumors and that in a mock draft, the Packers may be grabbing a quarterback this year. And that not, not necessarily saying that Rodgers is going to be gone next year, but that means they're pulling the same thing they did with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. You're going to go ahead and get a guy to learn under him. So he knows time's running out, so I really don't want to bet against him. And I'm definitely going to be pulling for the Packers, but I think the 49ers are going to come out on top. Now, Titans versus Chiefs, who you got? I got to go Chiefs, too. I think the Chiefs win. I think – I know they were down 24-0, man. And that's what – when I was watching the Titans-Ravens game, I was like, you know, Lamar can come back from this. I mean, you know, like they weren't – they didn't score – I mean, they weren't they weren't scoring but like six points, I think, in the first half. But I was like, I think Lamar can put this offense together, and I think they're going to start clicking, and I think they can score some points. And I also – I think it was obviously proven today that Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs can do the exact same thing. You're down 24 to nothing, and then you end up with 51 points on the board. That's that's insane, man. That is, I mean, I think they can score with anybody. Everybody talks about that Ravens offense, but 
it's like people forgot that that Chiefs offense from last year is pretty much the same guy. It's not, and they're actually adding a few weapons like Nico Hardman, who's played very well, came from the University of Georgia. Shout out, go dogs for that. But um, he's playing well. He's a pro bowler. I mean, he's got, I mean, I think that offense is just so explosive. Now, can they? I mean, they gave up 31 to the Texans. Can they stop Derrick Henry? Uh, I don't know about that. But I think that I think if they can make Ryan Tannehill beat them, they win the game. And I, I don't think I think that's what's going to happen. I think the Chiefs are going to try to make Ryan Tannehill beat them even if they've got to put another guy in the box. And I just don't think Ryan's going to beat the Chiefs, especially because even if they start scoring a little bit through the, through the air, I think that Coach Reed is willing to take the gamble of, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to take these guys down and score more points than Ryan Tannehill if we take away Derrick Henry. I don't think you're going to completely take away Derrick Henry, but I think that has to be your main focus going into this week. Now I want to go so – now, now, I want to switch to college football, right? We got Clemson. We got LSU. We got number one versus number three. And I think why this game is so interesting for me is that I think this is going to be the first game in a long time where we're looking at both these teams where we're like, there's a lot of players on the field that are going to play on Sundays. A lot of guys that are going to be future All-Americans, future first-round picks. There is a lot of talent on that field. And really, these have been the two best teams. They're both undefeated. Have you seen in the last five, five to ten years a game where that you're like, what is going to happen? Have you seen a game like that? Uh, not off the top of my head. I mean, usually I have a, I have a pretty good guess. And, then, you know, usually sometimes I'm way wrong, you know, but sometimes I'm pretty accurate on it. But this one, if you tell me Clemson, if you look at me and tell me I'm 100% sure Clemson's going to win this football game, or you look at me and say I'm 100% sure LSU's going to win this football game, I feel like I, I can see it. I can see it either way. I can see both defenses getting exposed. I can see both quarterbacks showing that they're – going to be taking number one overall this year and next year because I mean you're you're looking at I, I'm gonna go ahead and mark it down you can say well, I mean you, it's January of 2020 and you can go ahead I'm gonna go ahead and call it Fano and Lawrence if anybody else ain't already said it which I'm sure plenty have because they're both going to get taken first overall like I don't think it's even a question so that's what I'm saying like you can look on both sides of the ball and say well we got Lawrence and Travis Etienne running the ball with T Higgins and Justin Ross but then you can look on the other side and be like we got Joe Burrow, we got Edward Zelayer, you know, we got Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. I mean, we got all kinds of people on both sides. And then that LSU defense is, I think, the biggest question because, I mean, they've got some great players on that defense, but they've been up and down this season. They they played very well the last three games, but before that, man, they weren't really showing up. They gave up 37, I believe, to Ole Miss, who only won about three football games this year. So, but like you said, man, I don't really know who's going to come out of this one, me personally. I think Clemson, I think Clemson's going to win. They've been there. They've done it. And I think that's just, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I've watched the guys only from about 50 minutes from where I'm from so in Georgia. So uh, I've been watching that kid since he was in the ninth grade, and and I just think he's something special. And I just think he's going to come out on top. I mean, he may not, but that's what I think is going to happen. I think Clemson wins it, but I could see either way going, going down. Now, now, for those of you, for those who don't know, how good was Trevor Lawrence in high school? From ninth to twelfth grade, how good was he? I'll actually tell you a real short story. Uh, my senior year, Trevor Lawrence was a freshman, and like I said, he was only not even an hour from about an hour from where we're from. And uh, I got blessed to play in a All Star game, and it was a Tennessee versus Georgia All Star game. And our offensive coordinator was the offensive coordinator at Cartersville High School, which is where he, Trevor Lawrence, went. And uh, and then I, he came, this is when I first heard about him about two weeks prior because he, he played this team called the Buford Wolves who have won like five out of eight state championships, and he came up short his freshman year at start quarterback. 
So I asked him, and my dad being a college football or a high school football coach, excuse me, he's got a, he's in touch with a lot of those guys. And I asked our offensive coordinator when we were at practice one day, I said, hey, coach, he said, what's up? And I said, how good is that freshman quarterback you got right now? And he said, and keep in mind, the kid's 14 years old at the time. And he said, if I was you, I'd go get his autograph right now. And looking back, that is not disappointed, and I don't think it's going to disappoint. And I actually got to watch him in person. I've shook his hand before. I watched him play his junior year in the Final Four. And, I mean, I, my dad has been around. He's, my dad's 50 years old. He's been around high school athletes that have played in the NFL his whole life. I mean, camps and playing against them and all kinds of stuff. And he looked at me, and he said, that's the greatest high school football player I've ever seen in my own life. And, I, and to this day, I still think he's the greatest high school football player I've seen with my own eyes. And, and I believe, my dad, like I said, he's 30 years older than I am, and I believe that he is also the greatest player he's ever seen. And he's he's something special, man. And it, and I've been seeing it since he was like 14 years old. And I think we're going to continue to see it until he's almost 40 years old. And it's crazy because you can make an argument Monday, Monday night, he's going to be the greatest college football player ever because he's going to be in a rarefied air. I believe he'd be 31-0, two national championships if he beats LSU, with the chance to, and they're going to walk through the ACC, with the chance to be close to 40-0 his junior year, and they could be the first-round pick next year. Like, he's, he's, he's getting close to being in that rarefied air. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, 100%. I mean, he, I mean, he really does have a chance to. If he wins, if he wins Monday night, he's going to be 15-0, 15-0, but he'll be tough, you know. And he'll have a, I mean, he has a chance to play another 15 games. So he could leave his college career 45 and 0. I know that's 15 more, 16 more games away. But, I mean, I, I mean, you can't just credit that completely to him because he did go to a, a, a program that had already played for a national championship. But at the same time, I, I just know what this guy's made of. And, I, I, and this is not taking anything away from Joe Burrow because I think that guy's great. But I just, I, I, Trevor, if he, he has a chance to be the greatest college football player of all time, and that's including Tebow. That's including anybody you can think of. Man, man, any quarterback, any running back, it doesn't matter. Because if he if he, if he goes 15 and 0 next year, how do you say he's not the best? You know what I'm saying? How do you say he's not? Is it would would you agree with me? Because I, I I've said this uh, to people, not on the podcast, but I've just said this to people in general. Uh, any other year, LSU and Clemson would be national championships ch- champions going away. And they're going to play Monday night. Oh, yeah. I think 99% of the seasons that have came in the past, I, I, I'm on, I actually am on this page. I see all kinds of people talking about the greatest teams ever and stuff. And they have, like, this, this year's Clemson team and this year's LSU team ranked in there. But they have them towards, like, the bottom of their list. And I'm just like, how do you say that? I mean, Joe Burrow has his historic season. In the SEC, he throws the 55 touchdowns and only six interceptions with only with over 5,000 yards. And the SEC, going through Bama, going through Florida, going through the entire SEC West, going out to beaten Texas, then you go in and you absolutely that one of the best defenses in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs. You you put up 37 on them, which is pretty good. You probably could have put up more. And then you absolutely embarrass Oklahoma. And then on the other side, I mean Clemson. We, all we heard all year is how good Ohio State was. Ohio State was going to win the night. It's going to be Ohio State LSU. And Clemson had something to say about that. And they said, y'all are hating on us because we play a weak ACC schedule. But they can't help that. They get through their conference, and then they're going to play who's ever left. And right now they play whoever's left. And that's why Ohio State's sitting at home. 
who a lot of people thought was the best team in college football. And I hear that a couple of people on the base because of officiating, and I'm like, there's been one or two bad calls, and they're actually questionable. But either way, Clemson is, I mean, yeah. I don't, I mean, we watched them last year destroy an Alabama team who was supposedly unbeatable. I mean, they, they destroyed them. And, they, and we've heard all year, Kurt Herbstreit, all the analysts, that this Alabama team is, I mean, this is unlike anything we've ever seen. And then we just watched Clemson walk all over them. Now, what are you looking forward most in this game? Like, like what, what can't you wait to see? Uh, I mean, both teams quarterback play. Uh, but what, what really, what I'm interested to see is both teams on the defensive side of the ball. Because I personally think that LSU could expose Clemson's safeties. I don't think they're very good. That's no knock at their guys. I mean, it's just I just think that LSU has better players that can stretch the field. Then the Clemson safeties. Good luck covering Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Thaddeus Moss, Edward Villar out of the backfield with Terrence Marshall. I mean, how do you cover all those guys? I mean, I know you got your corners that are pretty good. Their corners are pretty good, but their safeties are nothing special. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see that. I'm interested to see how LSU DB. I'm really interested to see quarterback play and then the defensive back play of both teams. I think, but I, I also do think that. In order for either team to win, I think whoever gets the best pressure on the other team's quarterback is going to win the game. Whoever has more sacks and lets the other team to turn the ball over should probably win this football game. I mean, we're looking at two quarterbacks that if you give them time, they're going to tear you apart. They're going to tear you apart. They need to make they need to make LSU – Clemson needs to make LSU try to run the ball and beat them like they used to play old school, run the football. Because they don't need to let Joe Burrow beat them. Make them run the ball old school. And then that's the same exact thing that LSU needs to do to Clemson. Do not let Trevor Lawrence beat. Make them run the football. But Travis Etienne is pretty good. Good running back for Clemson. LSU's running back. Edward Dealer, great running back. I hope he's still healthy. I know he was dealing with some problems injury-wise. I hope he's 100% ready to go. I, uh, I, I, I'm, you just got to make Trevor and Joe not beat. Make, some, make them beat you old-school football. Make them run the ball because I just don't – I think whoever makes them do that, if they can, I don't think they can win the football game. I think- now, who do you have winning the game? I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime, man. I'm glad I got to see you. I appreciate this, man. And kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to tell you two players to watch, one from Clemson, one from LSU, 
who you need to keep an eye on for tonight's matchup, LSU versus Clemson. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and once again, I want to thank Brett Swader for coming on the show. Uh, really appreciate him coming on the show. I, I just want to say a couple of good things about Brett. Uh, really good guest. One of the best guests I've ever had. He will be on the show many more times to come. Trust me on that. Knows a lot about football. Knows a lot about college football. Knows a lot about other sports. Basketball, baseball, uh, fighting. I was talking to him. Really smart about sports. Really understands what he's talking about. And that's also sometimes why, you know, I can be hesitant about bringing new guests on because... There's some people that, quite frankly, and I will never, I will not mention names, but some people can't really talk and can't really be interviewed, and Brett can do it, and Brett is really good at it, and Brett knows what he's talking about. Brett's like, I got my notes, I'm ready. Uh, Brett's into coaching, Brett really understands the game, so I really loved and enjoyed having Brett on. Uh, hope to have him on next week, we kind of talk about what happened in the national championship game, but uh, Brett will be on the show in future, and uh, many future episodes of Barbershop Sports Talk to come. So everybody needs to know that. That's an executive decision, an executive announcement. Now, here's what I do want to talk about, right? So, I, I think this. Uh, we're in an interesting place in the NFL because the Tennessee Titans could really be in the Super Bowl. Who would have thought that? You. Would you have thought you'd see Ryan Tannehill taking snaps in the Super Bowl, in Miami, <laughs> where we used to play, up against Aaron Rodgers. Or hell, who would have thought we would see him against Jimmy Garoppolo? It's out of a script. And the Tennessee Titans really have become, to me, the team you have to root for. Quarterback that's been disrespected and kind of abandoned by the organization that drafted him. Ryan Tannehill's an easy guy to root for, right? Easy guy to root for. Derrick Henry. He's just a monster. He's quiet. He just goes over there and trucks people. And everybody that's ever played football, that knows football, when you see somebody run over people like that, that gets you going. You love that. Derrick Henry's easy to root for. Matt Variable, that coach. Former player. Easy to root for. Guy that knows the game. You know, kind of not one of these new hot offensive coordinators that everybody fawns over nowadays. Played defensive line, you know, was a defensive player, was a grinder. Easy to root for. And Tennessee, not a big market. Not a lot of people talk about Tennessee Titans. Easy to root for, and I'm really happy for the team and the organization. Now, on the flip side, I think, and this is the reason why I'm sad the Patriots are not in the, no longer in the postseason. The Patriots are the team that we all love to hate. We can all, like, it's like the Golden State Warriors in basketball or the New York Yankees in baseball. We can all band together and have a hate of the New England Patriots and want them to lose. And how about this? If we had Tennessee going to Foxborough for the AFC Championship game on the line, that would be great because you have the lovable team that everybody's rooting for and the hated team that's been the dynasty of the AFC for years. 
and they can upend them, right? Now, if that game, uh, the 3-6 matchup in wildcard weekend, Patriots uh, versus Titans, that happened in the AFC Championship game, I think that would be gold, and I think that would be great for ratings because I think you could sell those two things. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, that did not happen. I will, uh, Brett gave his picks on the show. I will give my picks Friday. Uh, so I'm still kind of deciding who I have and who I think is going to win. But I'm, I, I don't know. I might be feeling the Titans. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of feeling that Derrick Henry's growing on me. He, he's like a, a younger beast mode. That's bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic. The evolution of human society and the evolution of athletes. Now, I want to talk about the college football game. Clemson versus LSU. We got Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrows. Everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks. Uh, both is spectacular in their own ways. Joe Burrows, best quarterback all year. Uh, dominated the SEC. Trevor Lawrence might be the best college football quarterback ever. It, it's crazy. We have the best college football quarterback season in Joe Burrows and arguably the greatest college football quarterback for a career in Trevor Lawrence which could soon become that if he wins this game and he'd be well on that road and that track to do that going head to head with two undefeated teams but the teams are undefeated for more reasons than just their quarterback and that's what I kind of want to talk about I'm going to give two players that you need to watch your, your eyes on and these two guys will play on Sundays and they will be productive on Sunday first Justin Jefferson He's a fabulous receiver, 6'3", 193 pounds, uh, can jump, can make tough, contested catches. When he gets the ball in his hands, he can run right through you. He can run you over. He can run the route tree. I love Justin Jefferson, and I think people overrate him. Uh, under, excuse me, they underrate him because he's getting ball stoned in by Joe Burrows. There's other receivers all in running backs and a lot of other offensive weapons, but he is a monster. And he's always making plays. He's always around the ball. He is going to be a very productive receiver in the NFL when he gets drafted. And I think he's actually going to get drafted in the late first round. And then I want to go to a guy that, for Clemson, that will be a multiple-time Pro Bowler. And he could be very well be the best player on the team, even though there's Trevor Lawrence, right? Isaiah Simmons. He is 6'4", 120 pounds, plays middle linebacker, and can also play safety and has great range. Like, think about this. He can play slot corner, safety, and middle linebacker. Long and strong. Can, goes Flies over the football field. Can play the pass. Can play the run. He is going to be making a lot of plays against LSU, LSU tonight. And you will all see it in full effect how good Isaiah Simmons is. He made plays against Ohio State where they're athletes. They're, they're running. And then Isaiah Simmons, he makes a tackle. You can see how quick those fast twitch muscle fibers. And a great football player. Two guys to watch. Justin Jefferson, Isaiah Simmons. And I also hope my Buffalo Bills, they draft Justin Jefferson. And I'm going to say it one more time. Clemson will win the football game. Clemson over LSU, my final predictions. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl Lane. Episode 120. Once again, I want to thank Brett for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Hope to have him on again. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk!